Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to New Hope Underground. I am your host this week, Tyler Sturkey, Pastor Tyler Sturkey. And uh, today we are continuing in this series we've been doing, uh, First and Second Peter, uh, kind of going, taking a little bit of a deeper dive into uh, the text we're looking at on the weekend services. And so uh, today uh, we have uh, another special guest with us, yes. uh, staff member Aaron Golden. Thunderous applause for him. Thank you, thank you for the applause. Yeah. So uh, anyway, yeah, Aaron has been on. How long have you been on staff? Uh, I think it's 2014. So doing. <laughs> That's you're about to say 20 years. <laughs> 20 I'm like, no way. You were like. I've been on staff for 25 years. You were like 12 <laughs> or 13 <laughs> when, when you came on. 2014. Staff. So that's like seven years. Eight, seven. Yeah. Wait, no. No, nine years. Gosh, uh, dude, I can't do math. <laughs> official that's why we have you work with the students <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't do the doesn't cover the budget no, I'm, I'm the same way that, nine that, years that, that was a Gosh, pastor count. yeah crazy. almost 10 years you've been on staff so which you've insane. had uh you've had you've been in a couple different roles when you first came on you were doing production stuff like production and design yeah so i first came on as i think i was like the creative production director or something something like that and then yeah, and then it's kind of slowly. I, I moved into this youth, the youth director position maybe four years ago. It was right before COVID. Which oh, yeah. Was, yeah. That was we, literally like my first year of. We, yeah, we both <laughs> moved into different roles. Like, yeah. right. I think I, I, was like, I was like two and a half months before. <laughs> which was hilarious, which I actually like enjoy chaos. So it was actually a good timing for me. <laughs> um, That's awesome. But yeah, so I did. And then. Uh, Matt Niebergy does the production stuff now, and then Yoakum came on, and he takes the design stuff. So I was kind of doing, like, a combo of those things Needed before. two people so. to cover what you do. Yeah, exactly. Hum- humble, bra- <laughs> humble brag, humble brag, humble brag, humble brag alert. <laughs> That's not what I was saying, but it is true. But when I tell the story, it will be. <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, yeah, so you've been on, been on staff almost 10 years and so, uh, yeah, anyway, so just excited to have you. We've had lots of deep discussions uh, Aaron loves theology mm. and philosophy. Yes, and talking about the scriptures, and he's a he's a deep guy if you know him. And so I'm kind of shocked at myself that I have not invited him yet uh, uh. to do one of these weeks. And so it worked out this week that he could. Yeah, I'm pumped about it. So yeah, we are in First uh, Peter chapter four uh, today, and we're tried to be very ambitious this week in my message and covered literally all. All of chapter four, so it's 19 verses, um, but a big theme on suffering and how we respond to that, uh, having the attitude of Jesus in that. So uh, before before we get into any more of the specifics, we'll go ahead and uh, read the text. Do you want to go ahead and read? Uh, Just read through the text. Are you reading? You're NIV, right? I'm NIV, yes. Oh, no. Dude, I'm reading Uh, ESV. How dare you? I know. Uh, It's okay. Do you want do you want me to grab an NIV? No, no. you can read ESV okay. if that's your version, go for it. Well, whoever's listening, you're just gonna have to like switch, I guess, switch translations <laughs> while we But not if you're driving. Oh yeah. Don't do this while you're driving. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> it's always interesting to see how two translations like compare. Right, right. So right. I like I don't think that's a bad thing. Like yeah, yeah. I, I like that there's different translations represented. Me too. Okay. Yeah, I'll start out verse one. So it says Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time is past, for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when they when you do not join them in the in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in this in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand, therefore. Be self-controlled and be sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. 
Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins, showing hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracle of God, the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be aligned, sorry, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to, the, to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted by the name of, by the name of Christ, you are blessed. Sorry, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, big difference. <laughs> <laughs> If you're insulted for... Hey, the, you know what? I'm just going to take over reading. <laughs> Clearly, you don't know how to read. So no. It <laughs> turns it. out prepositions change the meanings of it, sentences. Words matter. <laughs> if you're insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God. God in that name. For it is time for, for judgment to begin at the household of God, and it begins with us. For what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarce, scarcely saved, what will become of the, of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Mm. There's a lot of a lot of good stuff, even a, a few verses that I'm like, I don't even remember like looking at that in my message. Yeah. So like I'm I'm interested. It to, is interesting. Like every time you read it, yeah. To, to get your thoughts on a few texts of like, oh, I didn't even I didn't even go anywhere with that particular sentence because mm. there's certain bigger themes that I was covering. Mm. But yeah, so yeah, let's jump back to uh the beginning of the text. And yeah, I'd love to, since you're the guest, uh just to from the beginning and however fast we progress, just any observations you want to make and we can discuss some of that. Cool. Yeah. I, I love the, the way he starts with just the language of arming yourself. Mm. Like, cause it's when he, when he talks about suffering, he's saying arm yourselves with that same way of thinking that Christ had. But and I think when I think in terms of like that language of arming yourself, like I think of like obviously a lot of times we're thinking of like weapons or like it's almost like this powerful thing. Yeah, you know what I mean, and like that, like it to me that just like draws the attention of like how powerful that way of thinking is. Yeah, when we can like arm ourselves with this, where it's like suffering, like I expect that. Yeah, you know? like it's in, and that's that was the mindset that Jesus had. And, and even thinking the opposite of, like, when we don't have that mindset, like, I think we're almost, like, disarming ourselves in a way. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, even, yeah. like, him, which I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but later in the chapter where he talks about, like, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is coming upon mm -hmm. you. Like, don't mm -hmm. be surprised at that. Right. Because, and I mean, it's hailing back to this, <clears throat> if you've actually armed yourself with the same mindset of knowing suffering is a part of this life... It's inevitable, mm -hmm. e even unjust suffering, which he gets into, like distinguishing between things that are consequences of our bad behavior versus mm -hmm. seemingly random, or they're connected to our faith, meaning like you're being persecuted mm -hmm. for your faith. He's saying even that you shouldn't be surprised by mm -hmm. because I wish there's other parts where other parts in the scripture where it talks about if I think even Jesus said it. You know, blessed are those who, I mean, in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, yep. for you are like the prophets, like you're almost, you're in good company with the prophets of old because they were treated the same way. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, even with that mindset, I'm like, are you really surprised if you're trying to actually live for God, mm. that you're not going to be treated like those who tried to live for God in the past mm. That's interesting. and be persecuted? That even, now that you're mentioning the uh, Sermon on the Mount, even like when Luke, Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount, I'm going to flip to it real quick. 
but like Luke has the woes. That's like one of the unique parts. Where yeah, he, he Ma- has the beatitudes, but then he also has the woes. Yeah, Matthew doesn't have that, right? But like even what you were just saying, because there's the truth of like blessed are those who are persecuted. But then like Luke even goes further and he says, "Woe to you when all people speak well of you." Mm. For Ooh. so their fathers did to the false prophets. I know, dude. Like, mm. That's like that. Like just took it. But all that to say, I that makes it, wanting to be liked by everybody a little tough. Yeah, but it's interesting because it almost there's this reality. I mean, even I feel like this is a common theme in First Peter. But it's like, like even when he's calling us like foreigners to like we're sojourners, we're like aliens to this world. You know, <laughs> like there's this like reality of like we need to like expect this in a way. And if we're not, it's almost to the degree of like, if we're not experiencing some aspects of this, mm. then, in, I mean, that's almost like the woe to you. Like if everybody likes you and you know what I'm saying? And, and like you're, uh, I don't know, like that's almost a sign of something. Yeah. Wrong, you know, I mean, it's almost like if you go visit a drastically different country like that has a drastically different culture Mm -hmm. i mean it's not like the same thing as like going to canada Mm -hmm. or going to england i mean there might be little things that are different but if it's like you go to the middle east or like a like a eastern hemisphere like uh like an asian country or something like that like there's just often very huge cultural differences and you expect that in some ways of like knowing they're not going to speak the same language their food is going to be different the, the rhythms of life and what they consider normal and stuff is different. You're not surprised when you go that. Like sometimes you study that to be prepared mm. for it. And so there's almost a spiritual parallel to that of saying, are you surprised when you're living according to a, a different kingdom, a kingdom not of this world, according to Jesus, mm. that you're going to feel a bit out of step with everything? Mm. Like that makes sense. Yeah. And you should even expect that you're going to feel right. out of step with that for not living according to their ways or culture. Like that's just part and parcel Mm. of belonging to a different world, longing, longing for a different world. Mm. So yeah, I love the, the end of that first sentence, which I'm trying to remember how the ESV says it. NIV says, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. Mm. Yes. How does ESV say it? It says, uh, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. What do you think that means? (laughs) This is hilarious. Actually, uh, I went to school at Olivet Nazarene University, which I think growing up at New Hope, I was very unaware of like what different dom- denominations yeah. believed. You know, so I'm like Nazarene. Like I remember there was like Church of the Nazarene that was like kind of out towards Lake Sarah, but like that meant nothing to me. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, but it was interesting because as my time uh, grew there and I, I studied philosophy and theology so I was like in a lot of classes so it's like it started yeah. to become apparent of like oh, okay this is what this means basically it comes from like a Wesleyan tradition which is like mm. they're kind of it feels like every denomination just really almost like champions like a, a particular a, idea a, yeah particular like quality of God and like and which they're all good like because it's yeah. cool that you like you're able to experience which shows we can learn stuff from each tradition yeah yeah for sure so I actually so, but uh, the Wesleyan, the Wesleyan tradition, the emphasis is around the idea of Christian perfection and holiness, holiness. Yeah. And they use the language Christian perfection too. Yeah. And entire sanctification. This is all just like language they use, but sure. <laughs> but anyway, I just remember like hearing that for the first time, I guess growing up at New Hope, I'm just like, what the heck? Like, this is a very foreign idea to me, but it's interesting. Cause then when you actually read the scriptures, like you see a lot of language like that, like mm-hmm. where you actually can start to see, oh, like there, there is a lot of language that's, there's this hope that comes from like, like sin no longer existing in your life. Like there's this, this, mm-hmm. uh, there's almost like a, uh, um, yeah, I guess hope's the best way to say it. Uh, like in that, that sin can be conquered. And mm-hmm. that like, like Paul talks about that in terms, uh, like, like in that very, very direct specific terms you know what i mean yeah where it's just like and like once you start getting in those conversations and even when they would say things like oh so you don't believe like you don't be- you don't believe that jesus conquered sin like mm. you think you're you think you're always going to sin like that jesus didn't do enough you know what i mean like stuff like Ooh. that where i'm just kind of like and not in a it, it not in a way that was like argumentative but it actually yeah. was like 
like, okay, well, what do I believe about that? You know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> cause I think there is, there's almost like two ends of the spectrum there where like there can become this like defeated mentality of like, I'm always going to sin. Like, yeah. and you just allow sin to just reign in your life because of that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, no, like Jesus did conquer sin. We can experience new life. And it's the same spirit that, that raised Jesus from the dead that lives mm. in us. Like that's the, do you know what I mean? And like when you start talking in terms of that kind of power, it starts to like, to me, that is the hope and that's the power that leads to transformation in your life, you know? Yeah. And so I think with the defeated mentality, sometimes that can like lead to almost like being stuck in a lot of sin, you know? Um, so I appreciated like a lot of that challenge. Yeah, for and sure. And really a lot of it, fundamentally comes down to definitions they like really clearly define what sin is and there's a difference between like a willful disobe disobedience and doing things on, by accident you know what i mean so it starts to get technical yeah uh as, all that as say. all traditions are want to do yeah <laughs> they can get in legalistic and get, you right. know, get into the weeds yeah but all that to say i see like just some of that is expressing when you see the phrase that they ceased from sin there's like part of us that's like what the heck like yeah what, what does that mean um, which I think, I think when I read that and even just kind of looking at the context of it, like, I think the connection I make is like that suffering, <coughs> suffering just by the nature of suffering, you're basically saying flesh doesn't rule over me. Like I'm operating by something yeah. on a different level. Like I'm, you know what I mean? And I think that's even where I think by the, the way that I think it's the end of verse six says that they might live in the spirit the way God does, like that you're actually living just by a sign of suffering in the flesh. It shows that the life that you have is in the spirit, you know? Yeah. And I think in life in the spirit is life without sin. Like that is, uh, and that's what I think he's, is what he's saying. And I don't think he's saying like, you'll never sin again. Yeah. I think he's just saying like in, when you are suffering in that moment, in that experience, the flesh is is dead, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. And just by like by nature, you're just saying, "All right, like the spirit's alive in me, and like the spirit is the yeah. thing that's living right now." Well, one know? one of the things I talked about <clears throat> in the message, in in my message on Sunday, was that idea of that there's something about trials and tribulations, hard times, that are clarifying to our priorities, mm -hmm. meaning we think, and I feel like this is an idea of the flesh. We think when I'm most in control is when things are most at ease. Cause it's like, Oh, when things are going well and everything's you know, is good. Then I'm in most control mm. and least likely to sin. But I found in my own experience, it's actually the opposite. Mm. When I'm most at ease, it's almost the, I know it's kind of a cliche saying, but it's, I think there's truth to it of that idle hands or the devil's playground or whatever it is mm -hmm. that there's something about when I'm most at ease, most comfortable, it seems like that's when I'm most susceptible to temptation and most likely to give into these creature comforts, which often are sources can be sources of mm -hmm. sin. Whereas there's something about when, I mean, when you think about some of the toughest times you've gone in life, when you've dealt with things, it's like, I don't have time to worry about all these other things. I need to be laser focused on this thing in my life that is most important. And it's like, I almost like, I don't have time for sin anymore because mm. I'm focused on this most important thing. And so anyway, it's interesting how it's the opposite of what we think it would normally be oh, yeah. of like what actually brings freedom. I have greater freedom when I'm most in control, but it's like, no, normally when you're in the like worst circumstances, that's when you need to be most surrendered to God. Mm. And it's not, being in the most control, but being the most surrendered is when we experience freedom from right. sin. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The trials are like what it almost like purifies us or like, and I think this is like a common truth that everybody experiences like that. Those are the times that you grow the most spiritually because it almost feels like God's like pruning things out of your life and like checking like where those are your allegiance lie, you know, you're most aware of your need for him. Right. <clears throat> so then that's often what leads to the surrender. But it's so cool. Cause like, that is what leads to the most joy. Yeah. Because, you know I mean? So it's just like, it is like this interesting paradox. There. So it's that, that's a frustrating principle in life that it's actually sometimes in the midst, but 
usually on the back end of going through tough things that you experience the most joy in life. And you're mm-hmm. like, my flesh hates that. Because right. <laughs> it's like, why can't I have the most joy when I'm comfortable? Mm. <laughs> why can't I grow the most when nothing is challenging me whatsoever? Spoken like a true American. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, it's a, su- it's a super American Dude, mindset. It's so interesting, like even reading this <clears throat> scripture in light of in light of our Western American worldview, like, and even just thinking of who Peter's talking to, you know what I mean? Like, it's so hard to, it's so hard to take my, try to remove myself from my American understanding, you know? Mm. But even just our idea of suffering, like, when he's talking about suffering, he's like, like, people are getting killed, you know what I mean? Like, this is, like, a very immediate reality. And, like, he's talking about, like, specifics, like, hey, Jesus was just persecuted and suffered and tortured like this just happened like expect this to happen you know like and there's just and i think it's just funny because i feel like i hear hear american christians stereotyped all the time where it's like suffering now is like waiting in line too long at starbucks (laughs) yeah yeah right god be my strength you know (laughs) god help me find this parking spot (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) uh but it's it's just really interesting trying to like to get our minds like into the context of like who Peter, like who Peter was talking to when he was saying this even. So. Well, it's even that, uh, it was that quote. I just, I've been thinking about this a lot. It was the quote I used in, it was a couple weeks ago in my, in one of my messages in this series. I don't even remember the author who said it, but it was the, the, that cycle of ideas that hard times create strong men. Mm Mm-hmm. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. Mm-hmm. Rinse and repeat. Yeah, yeah. That's very <laughs> and, true. And it's that, I, I mean, that's almost speaking to that idea of hard times create strong men. Which is, I mean, it reminds me of the Romans 5, the endurance leads to character. Yeah. It's the same. It's That even is, like, built on a lot of those same principles. Which, I mean, that's seen in, even in our, like, the, our physiology of... The only way you build muscle mm. is by stressing it. It's true. Yeah. It's not in relaxing times that you develop muscle. It's by stress and strenuous activity that muscle develops. And I think there's a spiritual dynamic to that too, that I develop the spiritual muscles of my life through strenuous activity. And it's only by that growing do is there uh victory mm-hmm. over sin mm. i was trying to think of like in the context of the analogy of the american being suffering the starbucks line <clears throat> do you think it's true like even just thinking of that person think like think of that christian that's like in that situation and really understanding like this is this is suffering and this is my experience of God and suffering, you know, do you think that like we experience more suffering the more that we're operating like in the flesh? Do you know what I'm saying? Like basically like the fur, it almost feels like the further I am for God from God, like the more my flesh is in control, Mm. it almost feels like the more opportunity for suffering that exists. Do you know what I'm saying? Because like my, it's like because flesh is reigning at a higher level, so my flesh is gonna be more likely to suffer. You know? Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but I was trying to like trying to think through like why, like why would it almost feel like, like why would that person feel like they're suffering? It's like maybe they are like they probably feel like they are suffering in that situation, but like that's such like a, the fact that they're suffering on that level, is honestly really sad because that means that they're suffering at that sensitivity across all areas of their life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I think there's, <laughs> let me, I have lots of thoughts on that. That's a great question. Like, that's a very deep question. Uh, I agree and I disagree. And let me explain what I mean by that. Because I think there's multiple dynamics at work in our lives mm-hmm. that you almost have to kind of hold intention to where it's like, I can see some of that, but then what, and I'm so basically I'm going to see yes, but what about this type yeah, of thing? Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. what I mean by, I think that there, I think that there is a truth in that 
the more we live by the flesh, the more miserable we become in general, even if, That's we're, what I mean. yeah. even, even if we're not even fully aware of it. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree with you in that sense that we do become more miserable, even if we think we're happy. So we can even be circumstantially at ease. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm thinking. I'm like, there's like inner suffering versus outer yeah, suffering. Yeah, yeah. Like there's That's a, a good distinction. There, there's an interplay yeah. there, but I'm going to speak to that because there's even interesting other element dynamics to that. Boy, we're getting it. Good. <laughs> we're, we're going deep, which I, know, I love. I know I was going off the rails a little bit, but I was like, <laughs> no, it's I'm great. Curious your thoughts on that. So. Um, but yeah, so I think that there's an inner suffering that increases the more the flesh is in control. Mm-hmm regardless of the outer circumstances. I mean, there are some people who the flesh is in control and they're in terrible circumstances. So they're suffering outwardly and inwardly. Like, that's just true. But for the person who feels at ease and at comfort, but their flesh is raining, they will just continue to be become more and more miserable. Mm-hmm. That's why you see these billionaires or millionaires who have everything and they kill themselves. I mean, they have every comfort they can control their circumstances through, you know, with money in all different ways. And yet they realize, I mean, to the point of despair of life. Um, so there's that dynamic. <clears throat> on, the, on the other hand, outward circumstances, there's a, I'm trying to think how deep to get into this. Honestly, a dynamic of spiritual warfare. I've noticed mm. at times in my own life mm. The more I'm surrendered to God, bad stuff starts happening to me. Mm. I've even just gone through even this last week without making it about me or going into too unique into my circumstances of noticing a bunch like being in seasons of life where a bunch of like God is moving in big ways and a bunch of stuff starts adversity starts hitting in my life and hopefully I've not always been like this, but at times such as this last week been mindful enough paying attention to the presence of god enough to realize i don't think this is a coincidence that some of this stuff is all conveniently hitting around the same time of like outward circumstance wise it's tough but i realized this is the enemy wanting me to pursue comfort like if enough bad stuff happens it distracts me from what god is doing then I'm worried about my own personal comfort or convenience. And I might even choose to pursue those things. And it is leading me away from what God is wanting to do either in me or around me or whatever. Cause it's like, I've heard people say this around the dynamic of spiritual warfare that like beware if you are entirely at ease, because that means the devil hasn't feels no, doesn't view you as a threat. He doesn't view anything you're doing as a threat to his kingdom. So he's he's more than fine being at ease with you and not challenging you in your life in any way. And I think anyway, I think about I mean, I know I'm making pretty big blanket statements when oh, I say that. Yeah, and there's lot there's lots of dynamics to it, but I think there's even a spiritual warfare thing. And so Peter's naming some of that dynamic of like, man, those outward circumstances can m- make you open to things God wants to do in you despite the circumstances. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's really good. So I like the distinction between like inward and outward suffering is really good too. Yeah. So anyway, other, yeah, sorry. Gosh, we're only like one verse. <laughs> one verse <laughs> yeah, in. What about verse two? <laughs> yeah, what about verse two? Uh, but yeah, I mean, what other, what other observations do you have? Hmm. Just kind of working through here. I mean, it's interesting. I always, it's interesting to me even just seeing when he starts outlining. Um, it says for the time that is past, for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, and then he lists living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. It's interesting. There's so many times in Scripture where you see him, you see those lists of things. You know, I think it's just, it's interesting. Like the specific words they use and how they group them together. Um, I think it just speaks so, so like closely to our culture. I think where it's even talking about sensuality and passions, like being like, I just think of like how easy it is just to be like living in our, um, 
our instincts or like our, our uh, self gratification and impulsivity. And, you know I mean? Like that, I think that's like the sin of our culture because we're so good at getting exactly what we want on a whim. Like we're becoming more like powerful, you know, to satiate our own desires. Mm. I think it's like we're, there's almost a law of diminishing returns with that too. The more I feed just pleasure. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, even reading lists like this, especially the list, the way Peter lists these things here, it immediately made me think in, I think it's in first Timothy where he makes the reference of, you know, he says in the final day, it'll be terrible times in the, in the last days. And he starts listing off all these things. And one phrase that man, I mean, it just, and I think it's because of our culture concerns me. It says that they are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Mm. And whoo. Oh yeah, no, it's true. I think what's the scripture where it says that the belt like their belly is their god? Do you know what I'm talking about? I think that's uh, in Philippians three. Similar thing though, where yeah. it's just like whatever my initial feeling, the, the, the or, stomach or the gut, like in the ancient world, the yeah. stomach or the gut was the was symbolic of desire. Yeah, symbolic of the seed of mm. desire. And so, if your stomach is your god, just like which I can attest to this of like <laughs> you're hungry, so you just uh, Oh, I'm trying to remember what the term I heard about this is. And I'm like, I do this more than I care to admit. Uh, where it's like you almost just like are mindlessly eating without even realizing it. Mm. Is it storm eating? Where it's almost like this like storm front hits you and you're just like reacting out of pure instinct. Mm. It's where you're just like stuff in your face and you don't even realize you're doing it or why you're doing it. It's like a late night <laughs> thing where it's like, you just wake up with like crumbs in the bed. That's <laughs> yeah. like the classic. And you're like, what, what just happened? <laughs> but it's like, that's symbolic of like, yeah. we find ourselves falling into temptation or whatever. And it's like, Whoa, like how did that just happen? I'm like, mm. I'm just living by instinct, mm-hmm. like fallen instinct with completely unchecked mm-hmm. without any mindfulness of like, what is going on in me? And is this actually of God? Is this mm. a good thing? Or am I just giving in to a fallen desire? Mm. But anyway, it just made me think of that, like capturing that of, and that's our, I think that captures our culture really well. Lovers of pleasure, that they want to be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Mm. I think it's, it almost feels like we're putting that to the ultimate test, I think in our context. Because the more power you have to, fulfill your own desires immediately yeah the more of like a challenge this is you know uh and that's where that law of diminishing returns yeah that was where my thought was going was that the more we fulfill these desires selfishly uh the return on it diminishes over time what used to and i mean i've Mm. just being really honest conversations i've had with people around pornography and things like that is and it's like you hear these stories of like a community figure that gets arrested for like child pornography. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, how in the world does someone get into something like that depraved? And if you hear the process, it's like they began looking at if there's such a thing as quote unquote normal pornography. But there's almost this like law of diminishing returns mm-hmm. that is like eventually that doesn't satisfy. Mm-hmm. So they get into weirder mm-hmm. more depraved things until it gets to the point to where it's illegal things and and they themselves are wondering how in the world did i get here which i think that that there's actually a physiological reality to that too even yeah. just how our brain works like yeah. like our dopamine systems and how we've like the hit doesn't quite fulfill dopamine yeah. hit doesn't quite hit mm-hmm. and so i need a more extreme i mean adrenaline junkies yep. that's kind of what that yep. is is i need that more thrilling experience because jumping out of a plane isn't, isn't good enough anymore. Like I need mm. to do this other, even more extreme. I need to set myself on fire or whatever. Cause it's yeah. like, it's whatever it is to get that, that feel good hit. Mm. It's interesting. And I think there's a spiritual dynamic to that too, of mm. the more I give into my flesh, I have to give into deeper and more depraved things over time to get that return of pleasure in my life mm. that I almost, cause I think, I think it's Paul writing to Timothy talks about, them having conscience and consciences seared by sin. It's almost that idea of like, eventually I get to the point I'm so deeply in sin. I can't feel anything anymore. It's almost like if you've ever like 
which I've not, but, but you, I've heard people talk about this. You burn yourself badly enough that the nerve endings have, are actually killed mm. and you can't feel pain anymore. It's just numb. It's like that can actually happen to our souls in some ways if we get deep enough into sin. And I wonder if that's maybe the dynamic that Paul talks about in Romans 1 about giving people over to their sin. Yeah. Eventually it is possible to hit a point of no return mm. to where I don't even, I don't even feel guilty anymore. I've ceased feeling guilty about the things that I do. Now, I think God in his grace can bring a spirit of repentance and things like that, but it's like it is fully God. It's no longer me feeling pings of conscience, conscience, conscience anymore. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, that's really interesting. It's scary. Yeah, it is scary. And that's why I think I think that all the time of like, I never want to become used to my sin. Mm. Like I always want to feel this like, deep conviction and just and so that's that i mean it's psalm 139 the end of one song god search me and know me reveal any unrighteous way about mm -hmm. me lead me in the way everlasting like i, I always want to feel terrible about the times i right. stray from what god wants for right. me the fact that like you feel even a sense of conviction is grace like there's like a like that thing. that should bring hope right. if you feel terrible about right. your sin like that should be a sign of hope right it shows that the spirit of god is still at work in your life so anyway, I think uh, I'm, we're with youth stuff. We've started a, there's a curriculum that we've looked into that's really solid that we're going to kind of start rolling out a little bit, but it's around Christian sexuality. Oh, wow. Yeah. And big um, topic nowadays, yeah. but especially for teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. For real. And it's such a topic to hit and it's, there's so much complexity to it. And, uh, um, anyway, one of the things that I really like, I forget what week we're looking at, but they were talking about how culture is yet to prove that like their, their take on sexuality leads to human flourishing. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but it, it kind of goes, I guess, to even your point of the law of diminishing return. It's like, is like, there is this, there is this story that says, yeah, like, go after those desires, like go after your greed, you know, go after all the things you want, go after, just go after pleasure, follow your belly. Yeah. yeah. And we think that that leads to happiness, you know, mm. but it's like that. And I think that story and, and, and we're seeing this play out. And I think this is one of the interesting things of thinking our, of our specific time, our specific culture is I think we're going to, it's just going to become more and more evident of how much unflourishing that that leads to you know how oh, there's yeah. actually this reality to like god's designed life to function away a certain way and we can and that's where i even like, like i love how this whole chapter ends it's saying like entrust our souls to a faithful creator while doing good but there's sense of like trusting god like we know that like our flourishing and like our joy, it's like it's ultimately found in you, even beyond what our experience in the flesh is. Because mm. we're spirit, you know, I mean, there's like a whole like depth and level to us that there's a spiritual <clears throat> reality. Like we're eternal spiritual beings. This is Dallas Willard language, but even thinking yeah. of uh, what Darren preached on last week of just the spiritual reality. Um, and because of that, like, our home is in the creator, you know, and that yeah. we can, like, we can have confidence in that. That's you awesome. Know? Uh, I love that. Well, yeah, let's keep moving. What other things do you see in the text? Yeah, I was actually really interested. This was one text. Sorry. I asked, asked you a oh, question and then I'm going to, no, no, no. I'm going to answer, I'm gonna answer it myself. Uh, I think it's verse six for this is the reason the gospel is pre pre preached even to those who are now dead so that they may be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. What the heck is he talking about there? Well, that even reading the ESV version of that. So mine says, yeah, what does ESV say? It says, for this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead. Mm. Cause yours says those who are now dead right? who are now dead. Yeah. Which I think there's and that almost, I think even speaks to what, at least the way that I would understand it. I think your version probably speaks more truly to what's meant there. Like, mm. I think as far as like, I think he's talking about Christians that have been killed. Oh, is my, is my thought like that where he's saying interesting like, because, because I think people like saw their faith as like, and again, like I'm sure there's different interpretations, sure. of this, but I think there was a common understanding of like, uh, 
basically thinking of from an unbeliever's perspective. And they're seeing these Christians that are claiming new life in Christ and that and and then they're getting killed for their faith. Oh. Like where it's there's almost a sense of like, really? Like well they weren't resur- like you're saying we have new life and resurrected in Christ. You know what I mean? They're not being resurrected. Oh, like there's almost this yeah. like speaking to the the person that's that's an unbeliever. Um but in it and it's and it's kind of just really like uh, hitting home the idea that because if you look at the next part, he says that they may live in the spirit the way God does. So he's uh, saying even these believers that they, yeah, they resurrection has not happened yet. Yeah, that that their spirit is with God right, right. now, but it's like, but they actually are living. Yeah. That's how I mean. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. What What do you think? Well, I was going to say, I was looking at, I just honestly, I mean, even in my message, I just was not able to cover everything in the text. And I realized like, I just didn't even touch on that in my message and thinking how interesting that is. Like I have a study Bible with me. So I was like looking and like, do the notes say anything? So I'm like looking down at the note on it and it says, it was just, actually, it names that it says this preaching was a past event. The word now is not represented by a distinct word in the Greek, but it is necessary to make it clear that the preaching was was done not after these people had died, but while they were still alive. So you like named it mm. itself of like understanding, like, no, it's referring to those who heard in the past mm-hmm. and have now since died. Mm-hmm. Like anyway, so right. I mean that yeah. like it, it kind of lines up with that, which is cool. I love that. Any other thoughts, things you notice? I mean, we've hit a lot of these a lot of these things already. I, I mean, I think there's like this, this next verse, I think four, seven is probably like one of my favorite verses, honestly. Mm. Like I just, I'll just read it. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be self-controlled and sober minded for the sake of your prayers. Yeah. I think that's to even like speaking through that list of sensuality, passions, drunkenness, or, you know I mean? And like, it's almost like he's saying like, wake up, like pay attention, like to our time. Like, this is the end of all things is at hand. And this call, be self-controlled. Like, yeah. be intentional. Be paying, you know what I mean? Be sober. Like, I love that language of sober-minded, not being drunk in your passions and desires, you know? And then even, even connect, like, he'd even stay, like, in there. But he said, for the sake of your prayers. Mm. Which I thought, that's, like, a really interesting thing to add there. Yeah. Um, why, which, you know, why do you think he names that specifically? I... I don't know if, I mean, some of this, it's interesting just thinking of our experience of prayer and kind of, I'm sure even the role of prayer or the practice of prayer has probably looked different over like the history of Christianity. Oh, absolutely. But even, it's funny because I think our prayer can really follow our desires very easily. Mm. (laughs) Like even, oh yeah. You know what I mean? Of like, God do this for me, do this. You know what I mean? Or, and even the, I'm not alert, alert to what God is doing. I'm more thinking about what I'm doing or what's going on right. in me. Right. And like, even aligning, like our prayers are so closely connected to our desires. And it's not until like our desires start to line up with God's desires and which he uses the language of being sober minded. There's just mm. almost a sobriety that comes with that. And that impacts what we pray for. And I like, I, I love that he makes that connection because honestly it starts, to me, it shows how, how, how much power he believes there is in prayer. That mm. like your prayer is so powerful that like you need to be sober minded because like that's going to impact what you pray for. And we need, we need people that are praying for things that matter. Yeah, you know praying I mean? according, like as I think John uses in his epistles, praying according to, and Jesus even mentions this, praying according to the will of God. Mm. So it's like, I think that, which is interesting using that sobriety, sober mind idea, especially naming earlier, talking about carousing and debauchery and mm. orgies and I mean, things like that. It's like, it's almost assuming this party mentality mm. of, almost assuming I, in my drunkenness, I just give in to these things. But he's saying, you used to do that. Now that you're not essentially drunk on sin, now you actually can focus on what matters most. Mm. And that should shape your prayers, Mm. which is interesting. Yeah, that's really good. I like that. 
And then, yeah, so, I mean, just gives this rapid fire, loving each other deeply, offering hospitality, serving others as faithful stewards, giving examples if anyone speaks, if anyone serves, using it according to God's gifting and God's strengthening like for his glory. I love that. And then, yeah, finally, that last section where he just, again, specifically addresses, hey, don't be surprised. <laughs> don't be surprised at this fiery trial that's mm -hmm. coming upon you as if it's strange. Rejoice as much as you are participating in the sufferings of Christ. That's interesting, too. Like, even, it's not like just expect it or be okay with it. It's actually saying, like, rejoice, which, like, that, you know what I mean? That's, like, such a different... That takes it to the next level. I mean, Paul talks about that in Romans too, of rejoice in your suffering because it leads to endurance. Yeah, which leads to character. Which leads. I don't to feel like I do that very well, man. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, it, yeah I I feel so like I I endure at best. I don't know how often I rejoice. Yeah, in it. What I mean, that, that even shapes the way I viewed this last week. Like just talking mm. about some of that stuff. Mm. I'm like, I feel like I've like focused on enduring. When like, man, what is what does rejoicing look like? Mm. In that, and I honestly don't know. Do you think he's specifically talking to the type of persecution like and that suffering might, that comes from? And that might be it. They said that I mean, like the apostles leaving after the Sanhedrin. It says they left rejoicing for uh, being mistreated for the sake of the name, right? Because I think that's where. Because I think the rejoicing came from the fact that he could relate and almost just identify even more closely to what Christ went through. You know so I mean? then that even makes a bit of a distinction between the like random chaotic suffering. Right, right. Again, that does build character, trials and tri tribulations mm -hmm. of all kinds, mm -hmm. James says. But then there's specific persecution for the name. Mm -hmm. Rejoice, like that's when you rejoice yep, yep. because you are literally participating in the sufferings of Christ who suffered for the sake of the will of God. Mm -hmm. That was not him just generally suffering. Right. It was for very specific reasons, right. which is interesting. Yeah, it's not like you stubbed your toe, so like... Woo, praise God. Yeah. <laughs> something, something, God. <laughs> yeah. When I stubbed yeah, my toe. Yeah, you say God, but in the wrong <laughs> something context. Else. Yeah. I thought there's a random thing. Uh, when I think this is verse 15, but he says, but let, let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a meddler, hmm. which I think is hilarious. Like, just the word meddler. I just wouldn't have like... I wouldn't have connected that <laughs> in that. But what do you, I'm curious what your thoughts were on that. Yeah. I mean, I guess I looked, I lo actually looked into it cause I was interested in it. Like, did you look up the word? I looked up like, uh, like a commentary on like that specific word or like, it, yeah, basically the word that was used there, which they said that that word isn't used anywhere else in the really? Bible. Yeah. So like there's just had to be a lot of like, they had to look at the context of it. Um, but um, here, let me see. I was going to say, I'd be interested. I wish I had my uh, Greek New Testament with me. I could like look, look up that word and see what it is in Greek. Oh, so uh, basically, and I think there's, because of that, I think there's like different takes on what it actually means. But I think the, like the, specifically the word means like watching another person's affairs. Oh. Like that's like the the literal, like if you break down the word, you know, watching another's affairs, which they were, there were a couple different ideas. One was like, like that it meant like embezzling basically of like how you're, oh. but then, and this was the, this was the translation or the interpretation that I thought was kind of funny, but they thought that it might just mean being annoying. <laughs> uh oh because even like the way he says it where it's like, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or even as a meddler, like where he's almost making this like contrast of like, those sounded like big things, but he's like, it's like, Oh, I've never killed anyone. Or yeah, I never like yeah, exactly. when it broke into someone's house and robbed. It's like, yeah, but also you're just kind of obnoxious yeah. and you annoy everybody. <laughs> right. Uh, so that could even bring trouble in your life right. too. Right. <laughs> so stop being that way. Like in there, and they were saying it's just being annoying or being a busybody of just like, yeah, nosing or like getting in people's. Yeah. So anyway, but I just thought, <laughs> Warning to all the annoying people who are listening. Yeah. Just say, don't be annoying. Judgment begins with the household of God. Right. You could be suffering just because you're annoying. That's what he's trying to say. No, oh, that's awesome. Anyway, that was just a random thing I thought was kind of funny. Yeah, and I love just the way that it ends. Verse 19. 
So then who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. That, that, I mean, it just kind of ends on this note of trust of saying, I mean, you're not, you're not going to have a lot of control over that stuff. You can control how you respond. You can rejoice in it. Um, but ultimately you've just got to entrust yourself to God that however it, it pans out, God is with, he's with you in it. You're particip- I mean, Jesus is sharing in those, I mean, you're, Jesus is participating in that with you. Um, but God is ultimately going to be your vindicator, whether mm. it's in, later in this life or in the life to come. Yeah, that's good. really good. Yeah, I love, I love the way he ends that too. It's kind and of just yeah. reassuring us. I even like that he used the language, the faithful creator. Like yeah. Just, yeah, I mean, like that's just very intentional, like like a perspective shift of even using that word. Yeah. And not just creator of you, but creator of like all things. Right. So, I mean, it kind of, sh- it's almost a subtle reminder of God's sovereignty mm. over all of those things of like the creator of the universe is you know, like, you can trust him. Mm-hmm. Like even in the midst of hard things like this, like even if you are destroyed in this fiery trial, meaning like killed and cease to be the one who created you will recreate you. Mm in the resurrection. Mm. Like he has the power to do that. He did it to Jesus. That's why we can, and this returns back to verse one, why we can have the same mindset or attitude as Jesus. Mm. Cause he entrusted him, to, entrusted himself to the one who could raise him from the dead. He believed God could re- raise him from the dead. And so we believe the one who created the heavens and the earth can remake our bodies. If it's killed for righteousness sake, which mm. is cool. It's cool. Well, hey, Aaron, thank you yeah. so much for joining us. There's, man, a lot, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff in the text, but man, it's always good. Yeah, I love First Peter. So, uh, but yeah, so hey, th- thanks everybody uh, who are joining us today and uh, on New Hope Underground, and we'll see you guys around. 